At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. All right, welcome in second hour of a numbers game. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil. Good second hour. Of course, Brady Cannon is going to be with us at the bottom of this one as we do have the Charles Schwab Challenge coming up this week over at Colonial, so we'll get some good analysis there. We're also going to talk to Chris Felica about that. Who's with us now? ESPN College Game Day, of course. The co-host, Stanford Stephen the Bear Pod. You all know that. You subscribe, you listen, you review. Chris, thank you for the time early this morning, man. I really appreciate it. So uh, this week has brought a lot in terms of content for gamblers in the uh, base of college football. Uh, so let's start. I wanted to ask you a general question uh, because, uh, you know, I like to bet college football, but not at the level that you stand for, Steve. Your evaluation process of these teams like this early on when we're talking about May, for anybody who wants to start getting into some of these, you know, what's kind of the process that you take in terms of evaluating a lot of these teams? The roster's pretty much set at this point right now. Like walk us through how you start going through all these win totals and these game of the year lines? I think when it comes to this year specifically, uh, coming off of what we dealt with uh, in 2020, one thing that, again, maybe I am going in here with an inherent bias or I'm skewing or I'm specifically looking for something, um, I'm trying not to, but, but I think it's something that's in my head is I'm looking for teams or I'm asking myself the question probably uh, is a better way of phrasing it of what we saw last year from them. Is that real or is that something that was really 
uh, a byproduct and benefited from uh, the weird season that we had last year. Uh, that's something I asked myself, like specifically a team like Indiana. Mm-hmm. What we saw last year from Indiana, was that real? Is, is that actually Indiana finally breaking through? Or was it a byproduct of the Big Ten and the weird seasoning schedule that they had and some of the wins that Indiana had? So like, when it comes specifically to this year, uh, I'm looking towards that. But I, I think one of, one of the first things they always will look towards is uh, I'll pull up the, uh, the Bill Connolly chart of the uh, returning production. I think that certainly helps. Uh, it's much better than returning starters because uh, the production obviously uh, is a better indicator of that. And then obviously I will I await the, uh, the schedules just to see the formation of the schedule, the sequencing of the schedule uh, in finding games that may – you might hear, oh, they have blah, blah, blah at home and blah, blah, blah on the road, but maybe some of those games on the road fall at a terrible time on the schedule and they aren't the automatic win or loss that they potentially could be. So those are the things, the big macro-type things that I look towards when I, uh, when I, when I look towards some of these one totals. How big was this, uh, this deal with transfers in terms of college football? Because right? college basketball, a high-level transfer can really alter a team, right? There's only five games on a court or five players on a court. But what was the transfer pool like for you in evaluating these teams? How many impact players moved and what that was like evaluating these teams on top of having so many guys switch teams? Well, I, I think you look at it, certainly a team like Miami, and Manny Diaz has lived in the transfer portal the last couple of years, uh, mainly because they had a massive shortage of players um, when he took over from Mark Richton, uh, he acquired uh, Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma, who's going to be a massive impact player uh, for, for the for the Kings. So th- that is something that you definitely need to to look towards in having impact players. And obviously, uh, Banning has had a lot of success with that, plucking Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips out of there as well. Um, Bubba Bolden. So, the, so Manny has done very well in the transfer portal. Derek King, I didn't even mention him. Uh, so Miami's a team that has lived well there. I think if you look at the Kane schedule, uh, these are players that are going to have uh, impact as well. Georgia, I think, is another team to look forward to. Uh, this year, I think they are still looking to potentially add a couple of more players, uh, both uh, on the offensive side of the ball to help offset that loss of George Pickens and uh, maybe pick up a corner here or there as well. So uh, I, I will look in, uh, and monitor Georgia to see if they make any other roster additions as well. Chris Felica with us again, ESPN College Game Day, Stanford Steve and the Bear Podcast. And as I mentioned, you know, in the market, at least when it came to college football over the last seven days or so, you had a lot. Chris Andrews here at the South Point released college football games of the year. You had them up at BetMGM now as well. DraftKings threw out some win totals as well, so we can dive into win totals for every single one of these teams at college football, and there's a lot to dive into uh, with Chris. So, Chris, I, I want to start at the obvious, and then we'll work our way around and everything that we see. But one of the observations that I kind of made over the last few days was Chris Andrews games of the year, right? Alabama, when they were involved, every single line moved in the direction of Alabama. You know, it's not surprising to see support for a team like the Crimson Tide, considering, you know, the backing that they get. But generally, this time of year, it's sharper action, right? So I I find it somewhat surprising that even sharp betters, when they evaluate this current iteration of Alabama as we come into this year, actually thought, hey, you know what? Odds makers, maybe a little low on the Crimson Tide coming into this season. So I'm curious right now, as you look at this, and of course, we're talking with Chris Felica here on the numbers game about everything going down in college football. Your evaluation of Alabama at this point right now, because the betting market, again, somewhat sharp early, seems to be higher on Alabama than the odds makers do. Yeah, I, I think this is probably as low of a power rating or as low as a, of a point as you're going to get 
on Alabama in terms of point spreads and power ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why you saw a move um, in, in the opening game against Miami where that moved. And I think you saw a move uh, with the LSU game because I think as Bryce Young gets experience and some of these younger offensive players get experience, they're only going to get better offensively. I think defensively, this Alabama team is going to be very, very good. And I think they are head and shoulders above everybody uh, again in the SEC. And, and I agree with the uh, the, the, the moves that uh, the betters made, moving the Miami number up. Um, the, the, the A&M number, I think, was still only 10.5. And, mm-hmm. and that was something that uh, I would – lay that number in a heartbeat. This is a, uh, the only time A&M has really competed with Alabama was that game where A&M was a massive underdog in Tuscaloosa with Johnny Manziel, and they went in there and won. A&M has had a lengthy history, uh, recent history, I guess at least I should say, of these big games. This is a rally around, top ten matchup, where we have a game at Kyle Field. This is where we step through, and they haven't performed. And I think at the, that point in the year, midway through the year, where Alabama gets some games under their belt, uh, A&M still may be looking to plug in some holes on that offensive line. Like I don't like the matchup for A&M. Maybe, maybe this will finally be the year. Maybe they'll shock the world. But, but I, I, indeed, I would lay the double digits uh, at Kyle Field, and I would lay that big number against LSU as well, because I think there's a chance that that LSU number, which I think was 19, if I saw correctly, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that that number can only go up because this potentially could be a year where uh, it implodes for LSU, depending on how that se- how the season's going, coming off of what they experienced last year. So, yeah, let's expand on LSU really quickly because that, that I think, you know, I haven't been personally the biggest fan of Ed Orgeron in terms of, like, the coaching, right? I think we did get a little bit of a, a view behind the curtain when you lose your two coordinators and everything kind of falls apart a season ago. They're taking on UCLA. That was one of the game of the year lines that moved in favor of LSU. I think generally when you look at it right across the game of the year lines, a lot of these numbers moved in favor of LSU. Uh, but it sounds like you have some doubt about the Tigers. So talk us through this and this UCLA line as well because I, I generally view LSU as a team that I wouldn't be in insanely high on overall coming into this season. No, I, I am not super high on LSU at all. And if you look at, uh, I mentioned the Bill Connolly, which uh, we're turning a uh, production chart. UCLA is at the top of that list, but in terms of power five teams, like you, Louisiana is one and, and, and UCLA has nearly everything coming back on offense, a ton coming back on defense. Uh, and, and we saw them lose games last year against Oregon and USC, the two teams that wound up playing for the Pac-12 title last year. Uh, they had both of those teams beat. Well, I shouldn't say they had Oregon beat, but they were very easily could have won that game. They had USC beat and gave the game away. Uh, I, I think with what Chip Kelly is building now, UCLA, I think he finally has the team that, that, that he envisioned a couple of years ago when he took over. They are much more physical. Uh, up front on the, on the, on the offensive offense side of the ball, uh, on the offensive line, that a lot of people really think. I think LSU has quarterback problems. I, I think uh, they had coordinator changes again. I think we saw last year that Joe Brady was the mastermind of that LSU offense, yep. despite what Ed Ogeron was trying to sell. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Daryl Stingley uh, in the secondary? We saw Jamar Chase opt out of last year completely. If things go south for LSU, will will some of these players decide to do that again? Uh, the fact that LSU opened up as a two-point favorite uh, 
got bet up over a field goal, and now you're getting three and a half with the Bruins. Uh, I like UCLA here at home, plus that three and a half. All right, let's go. Let's actually let's stay on the Pac-12 because I noticed that this was on your list of games that you were looking at too. And there's a couple have moved against this Oregon team, right? So Ohio State and Oregon, uh, you're looking at a 13-point spread there. Oregon and Washington. Oregon actually opened up here. Chris's game is of the year. Chris uh, Andrews, that is four-point favorite on the road. Now it's down to three. Uh, your evaluation of the Ducks and specifically that game too against Ohio State as we come into this next year. I think the, the game at Ohio State is probably too much too soon for Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite losing uh, Justin Fields, uh, the Ohio State offense should still be very, very good. Those wide receivers are excellent uh, w- w- with Wilson and the group that they have around them. Uh, I think it's a bad time of the year for Oregon. You lose so much on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary, Holland and, and other players that are – were major, major impact players for the Oregon defense. So, look, uh, Mario Cristobal's team is recruited well, but I think at that point in the year, going on the road to Columbus in this big, height national matchup, uh, I, I think it's probably too much for the Ducks to go in there and compete, and I think it'll be an opportunity for Ryan Day and Ohio State to kind of say, hey, we, we lost all those guys to the NFL last year, but you know what? We still have a pretty darn good group here around us, and, and I, think, or, I think Ohio State should uh, win that game relatively convincingly. But at the same time, as I look towards Oregon this year, I, I saw, I think DraftKings posted their season win total at nine. Like, isn't that like a worst case scenario for the Ducks? I mean, if you lose to Ohio State, that's fine, but you're going to lose three more. To, I don't see three more losses on that schedule. Uh, defensively up front, uh, or Oregon is going to cause problems all year long uh, with, with their pass rush. I, I think the quarterback position, people are worried about uh, the, the, the loss of quarterback and, and the transfer out, but I think they're going to be fine at quarterback. I think Joe Moorhead has a bunch of tools and a bunch of a bunch of players to work with on that offense. So, like, if I play Oregon over nine wins for the year and I happen to lose, I mean, so be it. But uh, I think 10-2 and two is like the most likely record for Oregon. Uh, nine and three is a possibility. But if they were to go eight and four and it beat me, uh, so be it. So I, I would lay the points with Ohio State uh, in, in the season open, lay that 13. But I would, I'd be very high, very bullish on uh, – Oregon over nine wins for the season. Yeah, nine uh, minus one thirteen both sides. Is if you're watching the broadcast right now, Visa.com, uh, you can see the win totals that are up via DraftKings in the Pac-12. All right, let's talk about that non-conference opponent then at length, uh, Ohio State. Uh, your overall valuation because the power rating uh, market-wide seems to be relatively high on the Buckeyes. You know, given the turnover that we've seen at key positions, and we're talking about some of these game of the year lines too, Chris. Right, Ohio State minus twelve versus Penn State. You know, a win total for this team right now over at DraftKings eleven pick both ways. What's your valuation of Ohio? State now that they're you know, making this turn away from Justin Fields and losing guys at the positions that they did? I, I still think you can make the case. Well, you certainly could make the case last year that the gap between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten was larger than the gap between Clemson and the rest of the ACC. And I think we'll see whether that comes to fruition this year. But, but, but look, the way Ohio State recruits and, and the way Ryan Day puts his uh, offensive players, especially in a position to succeed, I, I would not expect much drop-off at all in the grand scheme of things for the season uh, for, from Ohio State. Uh, they have made a habit of handling uh, Penn State very uh, easily. 
uh, at Ohio Stadium, and I would not be afraid to to lay that 12 points uh, in, in Columbus uh, against the Nittany Lions when that game plays out. Because I think Penn State has some issues at quarterback, and they lose some guys on defense that were big players. And as much as they've recruited, uh, well as they've recruited, uh, I think some of the wide receiver issues and the, the, the running back problems in the running back room was just ripped apart by injury last year. And, and uh, we'll see if they can overcome that. But I would lay the points with Ohio State. I still think the Buckeyes are hitting shoulders above everybody else uh, in, in that conference. And I don't know if I was a win total was like 11 and a half. It's hard to, it's hard to go, call for a perfect season. They probably should win every game, but, but I, I'd lay the points with Ohio State versus Penn State. And I, I probably will lay the points with Ohio State against Indiana as well. I mean, remember, I, I looked at Indiana and that game last year obviously was close and Ohio State got up big and kind of fell asleep uh, on the lead. And, uh, just a little bit of a pivot to Indiana because I did bring them up earlier. Like their win total was eight, and I think in Indiana's case, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be like kind of a a bet against Indiana on that season win total of eight. I, I think they are in the case, in the situation of last year. They were a beneficiary of all the issues that Michigan had, all the issues that Penn State had. The way they won that Penn State game when. Uh, they ruled the touchdown in overtime when he really didn't get in. They, they kind of had a lot of things go their way last year. So maybe Indiana will win nine games, uh, I, I, but I, I don't potentially see them being like the second best team in the Big Ten, uh, like the record indicated that they were last year. So I would be, uh, in addition to playing the uh, Ohio State, I think it was like maybe it was eight or ten on the road mm-hmm. uh, in Bloomington. I, I would be looking at playing Indiana under that season one total this year. You know, one of the teams that you've mentioned has been pretty interesting, too, if you evaluate them just on, on, you know, the numbers, games of the year, everything that we have on them. You know, Penn State, for example, I've seen some really, like, some really ups and downs with some of these numbers, right? Auburn, Penn State, for example, one of the games of the year that Chris put up here at the South Point went from three and a half to four in favor of Penn State. You see them, like, seven against Michigan in their matchup at this game of the year, but then you see them catching three and a half against Wisconsin, right? Uh, You see the market move against them in the Iowa matchup as well, the double digits with Ohio State. Their win total is nine. It's shaded to the under at minus 125 big picture analysis here on the Nittany Lions. I, I think the Nittany Lions have issues at quarterback that they yeah. need to address. Uh, it seemed like they lost a heck of a lot of confidence in Sean Clifford. Um, I, I think they need to, first of all, stay healthy on the offensive side of the ball. Their, their running backs were uh, decimated of injuries last year. They've certainly, like I said, recruited well before, but I think the spots, the early part of their schedule is no cup of tea, whatever. I mean, opening a Camp Randall, against the Wisconsin team that I think is going to be significantly improved this year. I think if you look at Wisconsin last year, uh, Jack Cohen was kind of their, their alpha, their leader of their team, the leader of their offense, I guess you want to put it that way. And he got hurt, and in came Graham Mertz, who had that unbelievable uh, game against Illinois in the season opener. And then Paul Chris was kind of in a tough spot. Like, I can't not play Graham Mertz after he showed what he can do. And I think that kind of divided that locker room and divided that team a little bit. So I think that's a bad, bad opener for Penn State. And I like Wisconsin. Uh, and, and that's about the Iowa, the Iowa trip is always a tough game uh, for Penn State. Even that great team a couple of years ago, Saquon Barkley went up there and, and needed a, uh, a, a late, late heroics 
uh, to, to pull that game out. The, I, I do like them against Auburn, though. I, I think Auburn's a little bit of a transition, especially early in the year with, with, uh, with Harson coming in there. Uh, what, what he does with that offense, what, what can he do uh, to, to put his little, little, little fingerprint on that Auburn team? I think going on the road, it's probably going to be the whiteout night game, and if, if they pack that, pack that stadium, which, which I think they will, that's going to be a tough spot for Auburn. So I would be uh, I would be versus Penn State in the season opener against Camp Randall. I like, actually like Wisconsin a lot in that game. I'd be on Penn State, a home game against Auburn, and I would be against Penn State when they go to camp. Really quickly, last Big Ten team to throw at you, and then we'll move on to a couple of others. But uh, Wisconsin, uh, you kind of alluded to what they potentially have here. Win total is 9.5. You're actually getting a plus price on the over, and it's shaded to the under at minus 140. Uh, what do you think of the win total for Wisconsin and the, what their ceiling is in this conference this year? I think their ceiling, they are easily the best team in the, in the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is an absolute given. Uh, and yeah, the way their schedule breaks out this year, uh, they, they are the beneficiary of, of a very – Good schedule. I mean, it's hard to say you have a good schedule when you have a, a a neutral site game against Notre Dame. But if you look at their their true road games, they have Illinois and Champaign. They go to Purdue, and Purdue lost a lot. They go to Rutgers, and Rutgers will be good. And they go to Minnesota. Like that, those are their four true road games this year. Uh, I, I think with with, with March coming back, uh, some of the wide receivers that they lost last year due to due to injury coming back. Uh, Jimmy Leonard State is their defensive coordinator, is a massive help. Now, people, I think, are going to point to the fact that they have a, a tricky home game against an Army team that, that, could, that, that could give them problems. But you look at how Wisconsin's built on, on the line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, and how fundamentally sound Leonard coaches that team. I don't think they're going to have any problem with Army. Uh, Eastern Michigan certainly has beaten some Big Ten teams before, but and they get them the week after Penn State, so that could be a little bit of a letdown. But, but I like the way the schedule plays out for Wisconsin. Um, I don't think they're going to lose any of those road games. Uh, maybe you could say they, they lose to Notre Dame, and uh, maybe you could say that they lose to – Penn State or Michigan, but are they are they gonna are they gonna lose somewhere else to go under nine and a half? I don't know. I, I'm 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 usually kind of skeptical on Wisconsin. Not skeptical, but I don't have Wisconsin usually rated as as highly as a lot of people do, just because I think people automatically put them uh, higher because they're in the Big Ten West and they've been the best team. And it's almost like people, oh well, Wisconsin's gonna go, potentially go to the playoff or have a chance uh, just because they're in the Big Ten West and. It's not typically a strong division, but but this year I think it, it, it's warranted. I think Wisconsin is the best team in that division, and I think uh, they they do go to the Big Ten championship game, and I like them over nine and a half. All right, Chris. So we got two minutes before we hit our break. Really quickly, one of the teams that you sent over that stuck out to you actually stuck out to me. I thought last year Louisville was really disappointing offensively. Big turnover issue. Win total six and a half here. What's your thought on the Cardinal? Because I feel like last year there were some expectations that they didn't really live up to. And there were, and I think uh, we have people thought that the Scott Setterfield in, in second year would really come through yep. and uh, after re- rebuilding up. But, but I worry about Louisville this year. Uh, just some of the rumblings, like you saw maybe Satterfield linked to some jobs. Was he job hunting? Uh, is he looking to get out of there? I, I think maybe he ran off some players from the Petrino era, which was a good thing because you, you need to get the, the issues potentially out of there. But maybe their roster right now just isn't as good as we'd want it to be. And I think if you look at the early part of the season for them, uh, the Ole Miss game certainly is going to be an issue uh, in Atlanta with, with Coral and, and, that, and that Ole Miss offense. They'll beat Eastern Kentucky, 
And UCF is, I think, going to be an improved team, obviously, with Gus Malzahn there. That's a positive coaching change for UCF with, with Heifel going to Tennessee and to bring in Gus Malzahn and re-energize Gus Malzahn. And then they go to FSU, and who knows what to expect out of the Seminoles this year. Like, like this potentially could be like a one-in-three start for Louisville this year. Uh, I am on the under for Louisville in terms of win totals this year. And, and I look at that last game of the regular season where they play Kentucky, and I saw Kentucky minus one and a half. I think by the time that game rolls around, you could see Kentucky be a much bigger favorite in that game. And that might be a chance right now for no other reason. Bet Kentucky, and you might be able to open yourself up to a nice little middle. Yep, Chris Felique. All right, Chris is going to stick around for one more. Remember, the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get Chris's thoughts. So remember, we got this Charles Schwab challenge coming up. Brady's going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. But, of course, Chris has some opinions. And also, a very good observation is these win totals come out, man. Shop the market, as uh, as the Bear points out on Twitter. And as somebody pointed out to him, Pitt, seven the win total at DraftKings, five and a half at points bet. So you can set yourself up with a pretty decent cushion there. All right, we come back with Chris, get his thoughts on the golf tournament coming up this week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? 
Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. No Gil, John Von Tobel filling in, but it is still a numbers game presented by BetMGM live from the South Point. All right, Chris Felica is around for a couple more minutes. We get his thoughts. Charles Schwab coming up this week. Really solid tournament. And, you know, Chris, I was talking about this off the air just now. Uh, when they first came back from the hiatus and we got to see this tournament, I was on Jordan Spieth at 60-1. to 1. Oh, how time changes. 10, plus 1050 over at DraftKings to win this thing. And I know up at the ESPN Chalk, you guys had some selections. Uh, you were looking at Spieth in some different ways instead of winning it. But this is nuts how this thing has swung on him. It, it is. It's Spieth's form, uh, what, what, what we've seen since, uh, gosh, what, what, what is it, the last 10 events? Win, pair of third-place finishes, pair of fourth-place finishes, two more top tens. Like, this is the speed that we all came to know and love watching him play uh, when he was winning majors. And I don't know if I can quite take 10-1 to 1 or whatever it is to win, but I, I think a plus 125, uh, I, I think that's an auto play. And I, I've even seen uh, bets out there, if you can stomach laying a, laying a juice, uh, he's like minus 600 or something like that to make the cut. And I, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty apparent he's going to make the cut here uh, at an event at his home state. So when you look at it across the board, a couple of the golfers that are on your list here, again, ESPN Chalk, you can find all the write-ups, not only from Chris, uh, but a few other contributors as well. Uh, some of the top three golfers that you're looking at in this tournament, and also like the, the type of golfer that you look at uh, at a, a course like the Colonial. I mean, this is, this is a, uh, a second-shot golf course. This is a uh, very strong uh, greens and regulations, uh, strokes short, gained approach. It, it's things like that. And I think that's obviously why Paul Mokara was a runner-up last year. He should be throwing darts into here. He's another player who uh, I'll play in the top ten. Again, I'll lay the big number with him uh, to make the cut. Uh, I think a guy like Scotty Scheffler, who put together a solid week last week uh, at Kiwa, uh, he was a non-factor in his first trip to Colonial, but his metrics and his strokes gain numbers are much better than what his results have been. And maybe that top 10 last week will uh, kind of even out with some of his results uh, with his metrics. So I'll play Scheffler at 25 to 1 to win, plus 250 for the top 10. Uh, I think Sun Jae-M is another player to look at this week. Uh, no one drives the ball, or very few players uh, drive the ball as well as in. He should be uh, in position to put up a big number here uh, in terms of birdies and, and better a top 10 finish uh, that he had. Uh, last year, I think uh, Gary Woodland is someone who I don't think the prices, the odds are really caught up with yet. Uh, I think he finished fifth at Quell Hollow, was sixth at Valero uh, over in San Antonio, was ninth at Colonial a year ago. Uh, he's 45 to 1, and you, you can get him a nice number to finish in the top 10. He was right in the mix in the U.S. Uh, at the PGA mm -hmm. last weekend on Sunday before he posted a final round 77. So that, that, he, those guys I'll look at. And then uh, I think Corey Connors and Jason Kokrak are guys that I'll also look at playing. Uh, in the top 10 and top 20 as well. I, I feel I, I feel like I'm cheating on Gil here, though, uh, JVT, but we have this like, running count of the number of different sports that uh, we, we talk about. And, and I'm going to add to the list here because I have a, uh, a, a Twitter friend who uh, 
follows the Croatian Basketball League. And you may even follow the Croatian Basketball League. He, uh, he told me that uh, he is all over Zadar today, minus the four and a half against uh, Split. And that game starts at noon Eastern. So if you have, a, if you have access to uh, Croatian basketball, uh, Zadar minus the four and a half over Split. So Zadar is a city I did not get to visit, unfortunately, when I uh, got to Croatia a couple of years ago. But, but that's what, uh, that's what my, my Croatian basketball source tells me. I like it. I wrote it down. I'll be in. Uh, let's add to the list then really quickly. I saw you tweeting about this. Uh, am I wrong? Because I, I enjoy playoff hockey. I don't have the most trained eye. Uh, the oddity that was that Hurricanes game yesterday, like I felt like that was a game that they should have won much more comfortably than they did. Yes, it, it certainly was. And uh, Hopefully the, uh, the the expected goals will even out with the uh, the actual goals uh, in Game Six or Game Seven. But and Vegas is in the same situation tonight. Like yeah. that was a uh, an expected goals toward the fourth in, in game in Game Five at T-Mobile a couple of nights ago. And uh, I would think that the way Vegas dominated the last two periods in Game Five carry that play over to Game Six where they won both games uh, in Minnesota earlier in the series. I would. I think Vegas will close that series out tonight. And even with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh dominated the uh, the shots on goal and the, and the expected goals uh, were clearly in favor of the Penguins in, in game in game five. And we'll see if the uh, the Islanders can uh, at home ice uh, play a little bit better and maybe win. But uh, I, I do like Vegas tonight to, to close that series. And I, I don't think, uh, given their history and blowing 3-1 leads and what's happened in game seven, I don't think they want to see themselves in other game seven. So I'm, I'm going to be on Vegas tonight as well. And the storied history of the Vegas Golden Knights. It runs deep. Chris Felica, thank you very much for the time, man. Appreciate it. It was awesome. Great talking to you. Yeah, you got it. Again, Chris Felica, ESPN's college game, uh, college game day. All right. Uh, we have come, we'll come back. We're going to get a really deep dive analysis here, of course, on the Charles Schwab. Brady Cannon's going to be in studio to discuss that. Uh, let's take a look really quickly at the three games that we got in the NBA tonight. We'll also take a look at some of these series as well, big picture-wise, and see what we're expecting going forward. Cannot wait. Later this evening, Hawks and Knicks. Can New York even it up? Find out when we come back here on the numbers game. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. No Gil, JVT filling in for Gil Alexander. A reminder, of course, for everybody out there. NHL, NBA playoffs here. Experts covering every angle to find betting edges. Beast and hockey expert Andy McNeil. Hey, he was on with us earlier today. And our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel. That's me. I'm here with you all weekend next week. Our experts in the entire VSIN team. We got all the hoops insights, the hockey insights, and give you all the tools to make most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game on vsin.com. Our brand new betting splits as well, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. How about that? And our daily member-only best bet emails. Now is the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at vsin.com slash subscribe. All right, coming up in a little less than 10 minutes from now, Brady Cannon's going to be with us. We have breaking news in the world of golf. We will discuss that. We also have a uh, fictional boxing match, which we would love to get to as well, that we were talking about off the air between two swole golfers uh, that I think one would have a slight edge in, but... We'll get Brady's analysis on that. He's got a wonderful insight on both of them, their athletic ability, and their ability to fight, too. One of them looks like they've never been punched in the face. And I have always been adamant that in your life, you should be punched in the face at least once. It makes you less of a D-bag. So we'll see. I don't think either one of them have actually been punched in the face. Regardless, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. 
we got a couple of games this evening, some interesting ones. Uh, one that I am involved in from a series perspective as well, so we can't wait to see. I am really hoping that the Atlanta Hawks can take a 2-0 series lead over the New York Knickerbockers. Let's discuss this very quickly, though, as the Knicks right now, two-point favorite at home against the Atlanta Hawks. Across the board, very low total in the range of about 212 and a half. 213, depending on where you shop for your numbers at this point right now, and also of the three games on the board, the lowest of them all. So as we looked at game one and we spin this forward to game two, you know, I'm really curious, and I, one of the reasons why I can't want to watch this game outside of the environment and how tight this series is going to be and how fun this series is going to be is I, the takeaway that I had from game one from this matchup, I, like, I can't wait to see if I am right and see if this plays out a little bit more or if I'm wrong and really need to reevaluate, you know, how you assess it going forward. And the one thing that I saw from all of this, right, is you looked at the New York Knicks and what they did in this game, because I think, you know, from an offensive standpoint, relatively solid, right? Offensive rating of 114.1 in those non-garbage time minutes. You feel pretty solid about what your bench did in that game. But that overall, like, that's where I kind of start, right, is the Knicks, I thought, when it came to the starting five, versus the starting five, there was a gap between the two. I thought any time that Nate McMillan decided to leave the bench guys and you know, bring them back out and then throw the starters back in, watching guys like Danilo Gallinari flail out there, Lou Williams was absolutely fantastic on the stretch for the Atlanta Hawks. He really kept them in and allowed them to win that game at a little seven-point spurt in the fourth quarter. But regardless, when you look at the evaluation of this, are we trusting that the Knicks bench is going to score 60 points or in that range yet again to keep them in this, right? Is Alec Burks going to have the same shooting performance that he did in game one. And I think the argument and the rebuttal would be, well, maybe they don't have to, right? Maybe a guy who just won most improved player of the year in Julius Randle is not going to go six of 23 and only score 15 points. But I, I would argue that DeAndre Hunter is kind of a difference maker here in terms of the defensive ability that he throws out there. You know, he bothered Julius Randle a good chunk of that game. You know, it was a bad shooting night for Randle, but there was also some really solid defense being played on Randle. It's the reason why I think you saw that shooting performance from Julius Randle. So is there going to be some regression to the mean in terms of a more positive shooting performance from a Randle type? Sure, like 100% that's in the cards, but I think the addition to DeAndre Hunter in this matchup and what he does from a defensive standpoint changes things, right? You saw down the stretch too when Burks was getting insanely hot that the Hawks were like, all right, screw it, let's throw Hunter on Alec Burks for a couple of these possessions and altered some shot looks and Burks missed some a couple of key shots down the stretch and eventually the New York Knicks, you know, fall in that two-point game. And so I'm really curious, like I think, as we look at tight series like this, the zigzag is always in effect, right? The classic, you know, going back and forth between the two teams as they alternate. We've had one series so far go in that direction. Actually, two of them at this point right now, right? Nuggets and Trailblazers, Lakers and Suns. But I, in this one, I had just such a high opinion of Atlanta coming into this. I thought the matchup worked well for them. And I have this pre-series bet on them, so I won't get involved at all from a game perspective. But I can completely understand why this number has stayed pat right now at the New York Knicks minus two. Remember, right before that game tipped off over the weekend, there was this market shift. It seemed like a lot of respected betters were coming in on the Atlanta Hawks, driving that number to the point where it got to as low as Knicks won. Some spots got to pick, but then ultimately ended up closing at about one and a half in some spots too. So you can understand, I think, from a spot perspective, why the Knicks would stand pat here at this too. But I just wonder if what they did, right, keeping themselves in that game and still losing, like, outscoring the other opponent's bench by over 30 points and still losing the game that the way that they did, 
I just don't know if I come away thinking, all right, cool, the Knicks should be in this. I come away thinking that, yeah, if you don't replicate that performance, the gap between these two starting lineups is, I think, a little bit larger than I expected, but we will see. Let's go to the other matchup, Washington and Philadelphia. So, again, you talk about sustainability, right? One of the pieces that I wrote today, when you evaluate the box scores, when you're looking at where these teams find their success in a lot of these games, what do you think is more sustainable over the stretch of a series, right? And when you looked at this first game, between Philadelphia and the Washington Wizards and 76ers today right now, eight-point favorite with a total of 229.5. What sticks out to you in terms of what is sustainable and what isn't? And what I find that is really curious about the first game that I don't know is going to be quite replicable for the Washington Wizards is the fact that their offense performed the way that it did, right? An effective field goal percentage of 60.2%, an offensive rating of 118, taking nearly 40% of their attempts at the rim and shooting 84% within four feet of the basket. And the Wizards went 28 of 33 within four feet of the basket against the Philadelphia 76ers in game one. Like That is something to me that I just don't know if that lasts through the course of an entire series against the Philadelphia 76ers, right? The Philadelphia 76ers, as a defensive team this year, were one of the best in the NBA, right? If you look at, in terms of defensive efficiency across the board, a top three team, if you looked at Philadelphia in terms of a rim defense standpoint, 10th in terms of overall rim protection at 63.5%. So you wonder if the Washington Wizards are going to be able to find their way within four feet of the basket yet again, or if that was the anomaly, right? Being able to get within four feet of the basket as often as they did, shooting at the percentage that they did. Generally, rim, like I've talked about this right in a couple of the series, rim shooting is the one that carries over more on a game-to-game basis if you're successful at it, but it carries more often over against a team that has a soft interior defense, right? Miami has a soft interior defense. Bucks were able to do it through two games. Portland Trailblazers have a soft interior defense. Nuggets were able to do it over two games. The 76ers don't have that. And so I wonder if that anomaly for the Washington Wizards and the success that was driven off of being able to attack within four feet of the basket regresses to the mean here a little bit. But 76ers is an eight-point favorite right now, total of 229.5, and and that's the angle to it too, right? If the shooting regresses here for Washington, you'd expect this game, because it was a pretty slow-paced game when they played overall, that the scoring kind of takes a tick down here if the Wizards don't have the success offensively. Total of 229.5. We'll see if that one starts to tick down, and the market has a little bit. Total opened up at 230.5. Now you're down to about 229.5. All right. Uh, by the way, yeah, check that out. Huh? Bet sustainable trends in the NBA postseason. Go to vcin.com. How about this? vcin.com slash JVT. I think I'm the only person at the network that has one of those on the website. How about that? Very impressive. And it's such a young age, too. <laughs> Great. All right, when we come back, Brady Cannon's going to be with us on set. Uh, the Colonial is the spot for the Action Charles Schwab Challenge. The match, what is this, like part four, whatever it is? We have a match up there, of course, in golf, too, and a fictional boxing match that we're going to throw at Brady Cannon and see how he evaluates two guys. Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, who wins in a rock'em, sock'em brawl? We find out when we come back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. No, Gil. Jonathan Von Tobel here. Brady Cannon joining us as well, filling in for Gil Alexander as we wrap up the last couple of minutes. Let's talk about one thing before we get to Brady Cannon. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today. Win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any Stanley Cup playoff game and either team scores a goal. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use a bonus code VSIN100 when you place your first bet. Let's take advantage of this offer. Enjoy hockey like never before with BetMGM. New customer offer. Paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, and Virginia only. Excludes Michigan. Disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee. Caller text the red line 800-889-9789. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in the state, which we reside, Nevada. All right, Brady, first off, a couple of things. Off the top of your head, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, fight to the death. Who wins? Go. <laughs> I'll take Brooks. I, I, and uh, I j- it, it's funny. We saw, obviously, the uh, tweet that went viral, the little exchange there when Brooks was trying to do the interview. And I actually thought about that. Like, who would win in that fight? Oh, you're dark. That's really crazy. Well, I think there were some people here in studio that got even darker. But uh, <laughs> I just figured, you know, a friendly little scrap. Um, 
I think Brooks is maybe the better athlete. Bryson has changed his body, you know. You to, don't say. <laughs> to uh, fit his golf game and quite successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I don't necessarily want to see this match. I, I kind of hope, really, John, that both of these guys grow up a little bit and uh, become good ambassadors for the game. I think they're they're not necessarily making a lot of friends, either of them right now, uh, in their careers. So yeah. we'll see. The rivalry we need, though. I need a Sunday with both of them in a major, like, final Oh, yeah, now that's good stuff. Yes. I'd like to see that kind of fight. Not Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, who are going to square up Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. That is the newest iteration of the match scheduled for July 6th in Montana. Uh, Before we get to what's going to happen to Charles Schwab, do you like these matches that they've been throwing on regularly? Well, last year they were great when we had nothing else to watch, right? You had Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson taking on Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. Interestingly, that was almost exactly a year before uh, Mickelson went on to win the PGA. Of course, Brady wins the Super Bowl. Manning and Woods won that match that day, so I think it worked out pretty well for Tom and Phil, despite losing that match. And then, of course, we had the other one, Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler taking on Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. So those were fun when we didn't have a whole lot else to watch. All right, let's get to this weekend. So, of course, uh, we do have Charles Schwab Challenge coming up. And then we have it at Colonial, one of the cooler tournaments. I enjoy them, right? I have my yeah, list it's of, a classic. Right, and, you know, I, I like the Honda. I like the Colonial. There's a lot of these little tournaments that I've really enjoyed as I've come up uh, as a handicapper of golf. So let's start with the course itself. And I always like to ask this question of you, Wes, and anybody who bets golf. Evaluate the course for us and the type of golfer you want at a course like this. Well, it's very different from what we saw last week at the PGA Championship. This is one of the shorter courses on tour. Uh, It actually, way back when, held the U.S. Open, so narrower fairways. Driving accuracy is more of a premium. It's not a bomber's course at all. And Wes brought up a good point, too. This year, they're going to have fans and grandstands lining the, you know, near the green and whatnot. So these big hitters aren't necessarily going to be able to cut corners like they could with no fans in 2020. Uh, So I think it's going to play more like a traditional colonial golf tournament here. And, you know, this is called Hogan's Alley. Ben Hogan won, I believe, five times here. And Hogan is the ultimate iron player, ball striker, working the ball in both directions. And that's exactly what this course is. Narrow off the tee, work the ball both ways, be a tremendous iron player, and then put the lights out on these smaller than tour average greens. And you're going to find a lot of success. Look at the winners here. Zach Johnson, I mentioned Ben Hogan, of course, way back when. But in more modern times, David Tom, Stuart Sink, uh, a lot of these guys that are not the biggest hitters in the world, Chris Kirk, Kevin Na, but are able to shape their shots, get around the course, plotting their way around, making a lot of putts, and putting on the plaid jacket on Sunday. So as we look at this, you know, it's funny. I made the joke with Chris Felica. We were talking about this off the air, how funny things change over the course of a yeah, year, right? Uh, this time last year, I was sitting on Jordan Spieth at 60-1 to one to win this thing, and he was competitive on the weekend. Now we're talking about him at, as the favorite at DraftKings. You're talking about plus 1050 behind him, Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. But let's talk about Spieth for a second because it's quite the turn, but at the same time, Look, you know, I like to use a lot of the true strokes gained on this course, course history, things like that. By far and away, if you accumulate the rounds played on top of true strokes gained, this is Spieth's course. Like, he has been absolutely fantastic here. So it might be surprising to see this entire swing. And I don't know if there's value at 1050, but it's not entirely surprising that he's at the top of this board right now. Paul Stone played him. Paul Stone, of course, uh, you know, a friend of the network here, a Texas guy. We like to bring in local flavor when we do long shots. And Paul knows this course as well as anybody. He's caddied here before. And he's actually on Spieth. and, And I think it's a good point that you allude to and Paul brought up. If this guy, Jordan Spieth, was in the worst form of his career, 
career and finished top 10 at Colonial, what's he going to do now mm-hmm. when, when he's back in form? And so I think he is the deserved favorite. We saw him last summer fare really well here when he was a 60 to one shot. Uh, he plays well in the state of Texas. Of course, that's where Jordan Spieth hails from, went to University of Texas in college. There's a lot of Texas players in the field this week. And I would, you know, you can probably find a market out there somewhere, top Texas player. And Jordan Spieth, of course, will be the favorite in that market as well. And I, I wouldn't mind betting him there. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a shorter price than 10 to 1 to win the entire golf tournament. But obviously, you're dealing against a reduced field there. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Doug Gim, Jonathan Vegas, uh, Dylan Fratelli, a lot of guys, Will Zalatoris, who is from San Francisco, but now resides in Dallas. So Sergio Garcia lives in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas, or, or uh, Austin, I believe, but uh, very familiar and has a lot of success in Texas courses. So, And, and I've seen some very sharp tipsters that I uh, respect uh, look at Sergio Garcia this week as well. So when we look at a guy like uh, Morikawa, right? Not a lot of course history here. The four rounds last year performed very well. I was on him last year, too. Oh, yeah? Lost in that playoff. Yep. I think I had him at 35 or 40 to 1. It was a big number. Yeah, well, now it's changed. Right now we're talking about the range of 15 to 1. And form actually recently has been great. Tied for 18th at the Masters. Had top 10 at both RBC and PGA Championship. Yeah. So you have recent form. You have a course history that's not long, but still very solid in the four rounds that he played here. Morikawa at 15 to 1, as we're still talking about these shorter guys. Is that something worth looking at, a top 10? I think it's definitely worth looking at. A top 10, obviously you're going to have to pay the price yep. there, but uh, that's probably a pretty good bet. Uh, I don't know about to win. In it, but certainly he is deserved of the price he's trading at right now. Like you mentioned, a couple of good showings in the recent majors. He is arguably the very best iron player in the world, so that fits the mold certainly at this golf course, being able to work the ball in both directions, hitting greens in regulation. He should have no problem with all of that. The problem for Colin Morikawa will come on the greens. Can he get the putter going? And that's really been his Achilles heel over the course of his career. And, uh, you know, if, if the putter gets hot, and, and putting, John, you know, you talk about looking at strokes gained and all these different metrics when you handicap golf. Putting is very difficult because a good putter can have a lousy four days and a lousy putter can have a great four days. It's probably the most random mm-hmm. of all the stats. A good ball striker is eventually going to get his irons figured out. A good guy off the tee is eventually going to get his driver figured out. But the putter is very hot and cold. So Colin Morikawa, if the putter's hot, no reason he can't win this. So when I think of putters that can get extremely hot at times, Justin Rose mm-hmm. comes to mind, thirty-three to one. He's actually got some decent numbers. He's won here. here before too, right? So uh, thirty-three to one, like that was one of the mid-range shots that I had circled, Rose. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he shows up for the majors. Uh, he right. was good at Augusta, you remember, yep. and and he was good for a while at the PGA Championship as well. He should fare well at this course, I would imagine. He's not a guy I landed on. I landed on some more of the lesser-known guys, if you will, where usually this tournament goes to. Uh, I went with. Chris Kirk, he's in the neighborhood of 60 to 1. Uh, Brian Harmon uh, got him at a, at a big number. He's now at about 30 or 35 to 1. Abraham Answer, certainly one of the hottest players in the world right now. And Wes Reynolds likes to go on this type of thing, and I really landed on this angle with Abe Answer. He shot a 65 on Sunday at the PGA Championship. So mm-hmm. I think he comes in here pretty hot and juiced up over that low round of the entire field on Sunday at Kiowa. And uh, this guy never has had a PGA Tour victory in his career and still ranked 19th in the world. That's amazing. His world ranking versus no wins in his career, but it could come
some this week. I took Abe Answer, got him at a good number at Circa at 22 to 1. Uh, then went a little bit further down the board with Charlie Hoffman, our local UNLV running rebel yep. who plays really well in the state of Texas. I think being uh, a running rebel and playing college golf here in Las Vegas, of course, as you know, it gets breezy here out in the desert sometimes. I think that really taught him how to play in the wind, and that translates over his ability to play in the state of Texas where you get wind as well. So Charlie Hoffman was another shot I took. And then Emiliano Grillo, I got him at 70-1. to 1. He's played very well at this golf course. He's had a great year, just had a great uh, week at Harbortown a few weeks back for the RBC Heritage. But he's the guy that the putter is the question. Yeah. If he can ever make a few putts, he might get himself into the winner's circle. If you're watching right now, you can see the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge plays from Brady Cannon. Golfers that you would either recommend to stay away from completely or potentially use in some matchups to play against. I played two matchups, and I took Lucas Glover at plus 135 over Ryan Palmer, and then I took Patton Kazire at plus 105 over Jonathan Vegas. Uh, correlated courses I used were Sea Island for the RSM Classic and also the Sony Open at YLA Country Club. Patton Kazire has fared very well at those two properties. I thought the price was pretty decent as uh, plus money on him versus Jonathan Vegas, who again went to University of Texas, so he's got some local mm -hmm. knowledge here, certainly. Ryan Palmer is actually a member at this course, and he's been feast or famine as far as his results at the Colonial. I'm hoping on famine this week. Uh, when you're a member, when you know, there's a lot of courses on tour that are private clubs, obviously, and you get guys that are members at these particular courses, and sometimes it's very difficult because there's so much pressure and distraction. You're supposed to do well here, and like I say, the results have been very volatile for Ryan Palmer, uh, so I thought the plus 135 on Glover, who checks a lot of boxes as far as the correlated courses, just finished top five a few weeks ago at the Valero in Texas. I thought that price was pretty juicy. Uh, I thought it should be more uh, of a pick'em type matchup. Really quickly, long shots this week. What's going on? Well, uh, we recorded with uh, Paul Stone as our guest. Again, the local flavor there. A lot of insight to Colonial. He was on Jordan Spieth. He's on Brian Harmon. He's on Chris Kirk. A few of the guys I landed on. So check it out. It's all up at vsun.com slash podcast. Wow, I thought those were live every time. That's crazy. You guys record those, Used huh? to be. Interesting. All right, we're all done. A numbers game. That's it. We will be back tomorrow. Remember, coming up next, it is a Lombardi line. vsun.com slash podcast. If you want to check out long shots or if you missed out on any part of this wonderful program or any of your favorite VEASAN shows. See you tomorrow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.